Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is comedian, actor and writer Alexis Strum. Hello. Hello. This is a treat. (laughs) So, usually (laughs) I start off by asking people what their history is with S-Club 7, meaning, Mm -hmm. like, you know, were you a fan growing up? But you actually have more of a connection to S-Club 7 than most people do because you have this sort of past life in pop music, don't you? I do. And and it's so weird because it's kind of like um, some sort of sci-fi film, but I feel like I'm so utterly connected to S Club 7 in many, many different ways. So aside from the fact that I wrote a song that Rachel Stevens recorded, and I also wrote for Tina Barrett, um, funnily enough. Oh, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. I did. I wrote quite a few tracks for her. Um, but aside from that connection, I also worked at Endemol um, sometime around the, I think they were still filming the S Club 7 TV series. And I worked for Initial, so Chris Pilkington and Malcolm Gary, who who were like the exec producers of the show. And I remember having many chats with them. We were trying to come up with formats for kids TV and teen TV and, and S Club 7 was always in the frame. We were always talking and referring back to that. So just all these like weird coincidences. And I also did a lot of songwriting for 19 management's artists, Simon Fuller's artists. So it would always come up in conversation. It's just like, I feel like I'm kind of haunted by them. And then like, <laughs> We got in touch over Twitter about the podcast. It was like, yes, Destiny, have to talk about them. (laughs) This podcast was made for you. You're even more connected than I thought you were from Google. Yeah, and bizarrely, I went to one of the S-Clubbers birthday parties. I think it was was either Paul or Hannah, and they were together at the time. And I was, that was when I was writing for Tina, and um, we became quite friendly, so she invited me to one of their birthday parties somewhere in Leicester Square. And uh, yeah, that was really weird. They're all very small, is all (laughs) I can say. (laughs) Yeah, in the show, they look very young. And yeah, I guess they Mm. are all quite small, aren't they? Even the the lads are all sort of the same height as the girls. I think in series one, Hannah often gets referred to as the tall one, but even she's not particularly <laughs> tall. Maybe it's Tina, actually. I can't. I can't even remember which one of them is the tall one because none of them are actually tall. I think it's Tina. Tina is the tallest, but she's right. still. She's. I mean, she's incredibly gorgeous, slim, um, 
and mm-hmm. lithe of limb, but she ain't tall, I wouldn't say. So, um, yeah. And I also, she's in, she's in my whole, like, I've written a book about all my experience of my near misses and stuff. And she's in that because I nearly killed her once in a car crash. I was going to ask you about this because it says on your website that one of your career highlights is nearly killing a member of S Club 7. So I was going to ask about this. What <laughs> happened there? Yeah, so... um it's weird to call it a career highlight isn't it I'm not sure if it's a career <laughs> highlight <laughs> most memorable moments so yeah I was writing songs with her and for her and um I went to pick her up one day in Acton to take her to the studio to deliver a master tape which is like the fully finished recording of something and uh so I picked her up and we're in the car chatting my car and she sat in the passenger seat and and I'm in the middle of a three-point turn and all of a sudden out of nowhere, this motorcyclist smashes into the side of the car oh. on her side, so the passenger side, and went straight through the window into her lap, smashing the window. There's blood and glass all over her, and she's screaming and everything. And um, I had to call the police. I had to get an ambulance and deal with the situation. Her parents came. <laughs> and, oh, wow. Yeah, I felt so awful. I was, like, imagining the headlines of, you know, also ran songwriter tries to kill member of s club seven um yeah mental wow but was everyone okay in the end yeah everyone was fine but the motorcyclist wasn't very happy with me so do you remember ever watching this tv show before i do i do remember watching it more actually as i say when i was at endemol and it was kind of like part of my Mm. job to watch it and it was research but the song is ingrained in my head reach for the stars yeah and I have to say in the episode that you sent me I hadn't realized that 95% of the show is the theme tune they just literally <laughs> in the midst of a scene cut to reach for the stars it's like oh, we haven't got enough dialogue for this bit we're just gonna put in the theme tune which I I, I haven't remembered but it's yeah hammering it home they're really hammering the song yeah home, aren't they? yeah in series one it was bring it all back all the time and now we're on series two and we've got reach so I always start off enjoying it and then when I get to the final episode I'm like I never want to hear this song again (laughs) (laughs) but I'm still I'm in the I'm in the honeymoon period at the moment I'm on on episode three so it's not annoying me yet so let's get into the episode today we're talking about LA7 episode three which is called Hello Hollywood and it aired on CBBC on the 20th of April in the year 2000. Basically, in the last few episodes, the band have been sort of travelling to LA, and in this one, they actually arrive there. Um, At the beginning of the episode, they initially get a bit lost. They can't really sort of find LA for some reason. Uh, Someone hasn't been reading the map very well. And This is a weird opening scene. Do, Do you remember this bit where... Hannah kind of suggests that LA has been stolen by aliens. I think I blacked out at that point. That might have been (laughs) when I was having a cup of tea because I had to get myself into it. Yeah, I watched this episode initially a few weeks ago and I think I blacked out at that bit as well because when I watched it again properly the other night I was like wait I don't remember this happening before but Hannah goes off on this weird tangent about oh maybe LA's been stolen by aliens as she says alien town thieves come down at night and steal towns to sell them for lots of money and then it gets even weirder because her eyes start like flashing green for some reason, like she's an alien. And the others are all just kind of like, ah, she must be wearing contacts again. And they just move on. Yeah, I felt like there was a load of 
there's a load of quirky jokes that don't land correctly. I feel like sometimes the script of this episode was a bit too sophisticated for everyone involved. And they tried to go with like a sort of a Phoebe quirkiness to Hannah that, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, it doesn't come across sometimes. Oh. It's a bit small, isn't it? It looks a lot bigger in the movies. The camera's supposed to make people look fatter. Maybe it makes towns look fatter too. But I don't get it. It should be right here. Maybe it's gone for lunch. John, why don't you admit it? You are pop at reading maps. Maybe it isn't over any hill. Maybe it's been stolen. Da, da, da. Me! Who is going to steal Los Angeles? Aliens. A gang of alien town thieves. They come down at night and steal whole towns and send them back up to their planet and sell them for lots of money. Do you sometimes get the feeling that Hannah's from another planet? How does she do that? Contacts. But... I I I think I maybe I had a cup of tea and then I got to the bit when Joe's filming Bradley in the car and she's going, "Oh Bradley, this isn't an online dating service, you muffin." And um, <laughs> that I think that was when I sort of started watching it. I think before that, maybe if it was a moment before that, yeah, that was in the blackout, definitely. Yeah, because yeah, it's in the same bit when they're in the car, isn't it? Because yeah, she's filming them. They always seem to have yeah. a little video camera out there, as if they're like vlogging or something. But obviously, <laughs> they're just fil- they're just filming it for the memories or something. And Bradley yeah. starts talking to it like, "Hey, girls," and Joe's like, "Who are you talking to?" But it's weird because they're quite sexless individuals, aren't they? Do they actually? Because I haven't watched the whole series, and you're you're obviously the expert here. Do they actually have like relations at all at any point? There's some kissing. They always use right, the word okay. snog. Uh, mm. There's a lot of a uh, snogging, but um, it's all quite sort of like you said, quite sexless. Yeah, but um, well, we'll talk about the song "Natural" later because that comes at the end of the episode. But the music video for "Natural" is very kind of sexy. When I looked it up the other day, mm. and it, I was re- I was really like, "Oh no, the children!" Because they're so like <laughs> childish in this TV series, and then in the music video, it's like a different group of people. But that was Rachel's like that was her moment, wasn't it? Natural. Mm-hmm. That was like the Rachel song and she was the sexy one I mean like who doesn't want to be Rachel I wanted to be Rachel unfortunately I'm more of a Joe but you know (laughs) the aim was always to be a Rachel she was just like a little pocket rocket you know she's just perfect isn't she and um Joe's just kind of Joe I feel like Joe could equally aside from being a pop star work in a garage yeah (laughs) or run a laundrette sort of thing (laughs) yeah I'm probably more like her yeah in this show she is kind of like like she could have stepped out of EastEnders yeah they really did (laughs) ham it up and also I can't get the the vision of her in Big Brother out my head you know I don't want to talk about that now because that's probably going way off piste but that was really hard to reconcile because that's the last time that I've seen her. So this is 2000, right? So it's 20 years ago. So it's probably more recent history that she was on Big Brother. Yeah, definitely. There's a kind of a little bit later that went, that made me think of Big Brother, but I'll, I'll bring it up at the time. But um, yeah, they're driving around and they finally get to a point where they can see Hollywood in the distance. And they start getting a bit worried about all the competition they're going to have there. 
Rachel mm. is like, well, you know what they say, if you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. And they're all like, that's New York, Rachel. <laughs> I know. I thought that was quite cute, actually. That was that was one of the good jokes in the program, wasn't it? Yeah. And then they drive into town and we see various kind of sights, don't we? Like they drive through Beverly Hills at one point, the Hard Rock Cafe. They walk mm. along the Hollywood Walk of Fame and <laughs> the three stars that we see on the ground are Elton John, John Travolta and Robin Williams. It's quite a random mix. <laughs> like who, who will the kids know? Yeah, they, you know, I've, I've been there. I've been to um, the Chinese theatre and I've been to, it's funny because seeing Venice Beach as well, where they, you know, where they meet the, mm, yeah. uh, the lady that they go and stay with, just seeing Venice mm-hmm. Beach, like it's all real. Like there's no sets. <laughs> They've genuinely gone to those places in case you ever think that these aren't filmed in LA it's all real yeah it must have been exciting for the band at the time because most of them probably wouldn't have been to Hollywood before yeah totally it's probably quite meta that they're all out there going oh my god we might make it I'm sure when they were out there they were you know at the same time having meetings about their own careers and stuff so Mm -hmm. and it's cute you know I, I like the idea that opportunities always around the corner it's, it is very much like that in LA everyone that you meet and talk to has got some sort of connection to someone and and there is much more of that sort of hopeful optimistic demeanor that we don't really have you know London's not like that at mm-hmm. all <laughs> I, I mean I can't speak for the rest of England because I don't live there but we're, we're very much Debbie Downers you know don't reach for the stars you're gonna get burned yeah it's kind of like New York is sort of like the London equivalent and then we don't really have a sort of yeah. LA equivalent over here, do we? No, you're right. We don't actually. We should do. I think Soho's probably the nearest to it, but it's not it's not mm. the same it's not the same concept really. But um yeah, the fake laughter, the fake laughter in this episode kind of killed me a bit as well. I honestly didn't believe that they were always having a fantastic time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, like, it's not always convincing. No, it's not. So after they've done a bit of exploring, they stop for a rest and Tina goes, oh, we've been here three hours and we're still not famous. And it's like, this is a thing that seems to recur throughout the episode where they seem to want success <laughs> immediately. Like they've just arrived and Tina's like, God, why aren't we famous yet? We've driven around the place. I think they're conscious it's a 23 minute episode. Do you know what I mean? It's weighing down upon them. They're like, shit, we've got to get ourselves famous now. But um, yeah, yeah, it is It is a bit desperado, isn't it? You know, they're literally, they go and, well, I won't, I won't skip ahead in the episode, but they, they kind of would do anything really, wouldn't they, to get on? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because Rachel, Rachel says, um, oh, I thought I would have at least bumped into Brad Pitt by now. And to be fair, that reference still works today because a lot of the references in this show are very sort of 2000, but that (laughs) still works now. And she says if she does ever get to meet Brad Pitt, she'll say to him, hi, I'm Rachel from S Club 7. You may have heard of us. I'm not sure if he will have Rachel. Sorry. Do you think the chances are that she probably has met Brad Pitt in real life by now? I don't know. Like the real Rachel. I'd like to think she has. Because I remember at the time, a lot of people were kind of making comparisons between her and like Rachel in Friends, weren't they? Absolutely, yeah. uh, Not just because of the name, but also the kind of look and the shows were on at the same time. Yeah, that was a weird one at the time. There's a parallel with um, some of the characters and the Friends characters that I said about Hannah. They're trying to make her the sort of quirky Phoebe. Tina... 
I guess maybe is a bit Monica. I'm not quite sure. And then the boys, yeah. The and, then there's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Joe. Joe's like the extra one. She's not friends at all. She's, maybe she's Gunter. She isn't she, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Or she's Janice. I used to love Janice. Um, and then Bradley goes, oh, if I ever meet him, I'm going to tell him to stop using the name Brad because it's confusing me and my women. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking problem, about, Bradley? <laughs> Me and my women. He's quite the player, though, isn't he? Although we see no evidence of this, apart from, you know, him eating biscuits on a woman's sofa. These, it, yeah, I think he likes to think he's the player. He's the man. Yeah. In that moment, he's quite cocky. But then, yeah, later on in the episode, he goes a bit sort of sweet and puts on a little baby voice to get what he yeah. wants. And they're all kind of like, what do we do now? And Tina says, well, we need to find somewhere to live, get jobs get an agent and become really successful and joe is like oh great that should take care of today then yeah but i like that tina's very practical about it do you know what i mean yeah. like you know there are getting famous you've got to think about where you're going to live and where you're going to sleep and stuff i mean they don't consider food and nourishment there but um you know i'm guessing that's not so important if you're on the quest for fame yeah they've got pretty much no money so they go to this little rubbish motel and I like how when they go in, John says, everybody try and look cheap. And Bradley goes, yeah, let's send Rachel in first. <laughs> so harsh. I know. But that motel, the guy that works there is amazing. And I love the kind of borderline racism of Joe when she approaches him and she says, um, yes. poor favour, mercy bucket. I just thought that was yeah. that's some excellent, excellent Spanish she'd gone for there. This is the bit that made me think of Big Brother because, yeah, she goes up to the desk yeah. and the guy, the guy's kind of ignoring them, isn't he? And Hannah mm. suggests maybe he doesn't speak English. And, yeah, Joe says, what have you said? And she also says to him, Buenos knockers, senor, hasta la biscuit. <laughs> like i'm pretty sure that's offensive i'm not sure who yeah. to exactly but looking like she's about to beat him up that those sort of things you can forgive in a in a an aloe low 40 towers kind of way and i think that's probably an extension of that humor i don't think there was any malice intended but yeah now so i mean it's yeah it's it's borderline racist really isn't it but i think she tries well hello hello He's not answering. Maybe he doesn't understand English. Buenos knockers, senor. Hasta la biscuit. You have to press the bell. What? The bell. You have to press it first. May I help you? Yes, please. Your turn. Joe, I don't think you've got to press the bell every time you want to speak. Oh. Um... Well, we'd like some rooms, please. Per favour, mercy bucket. And the guy keeps sort of like snorting and spitting, yeah. doesn't he? It's horrible. I watched it with my daughter, who's nearly six. And when he like phlegms into his own mouth, we were just like, that's actually disgusting. Like that's worse in some ways than her poor command of Spanish. Or like if someone said a swear word, that would be, I just feel like it's hideous. You literally hear all the phlegm coming up. But he was a very good actor, though. I liked him. Yeah, I looked him up and his name is Daniel Raymond. And he's actually been in quite a lot of stuff, which is mm. a rarity for this show. Usually when I look people up, they're sort of not acting anymore. But yeah, he's still going now and he seems to have popped up in like the odd episode of various comedies. 
So yeah, hopefully not spitting and snorting everywhere like in this one. But you could tell like he was good because he like threw himself into his performance. And I hate to say this, Sophie, but you know, one of the other actors in this episode is quite a huge name from The Exorcist, who we will get to. So, I mean, I they do have some big names in the show. And I was quite shocked. I was like, is that who I think it is? We'll get <laughs> onto her in a minute. But I was stunned that she was in that. Literally stunned. What happened there? A recurring character as well. It's mad. Yeah, that's insane. Like, it's literally how, who from S Club 7's management company came up with that idea? Or was she just like... <laughs> But she just sent along to the audition. She's just a bit desperate that year and <laughs> it was a bit of a lean period. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So they want to book a room at this motel. The guy tells them a price and then they're trying to work out how much it is between seven. And this is quite cute, I thought, because Bradley just randomly goes, 10 sevens are 70 and they're all like how's that relevant and he's like oh I was just trying to be helpful (laughs) yeah their maths is bad so that was quite sweet yeah and they ask for one room because it'll be cheaper but the guy tells them that it's only four people per room Mm. um so they decide oh well four of us can sleep in a room and three of us are gonna have to sleep in the car and the girls just look at the boys like you know which way around it's gonna be which I thought was right and fair. The boys should sleep in the car because they do smell. Because Paul's feet smell, we learn. You know, we don't. We don't want to have that polluting. I don't. I feel like I want to protect Rachel in particular. She's like a porcelain doll. I don't want to have her nose be offended by Paul's feet. That would be awful. So it's good. Yeah, and Bradley and snores as well, doesn't he? The snoring was shocking. It was so shocking, considering there's seven people in that room, all breathing and sleeping, and all we can hear is Bradley. Yeah, because initially the boys do go to the car, and Paul goes to sleep with his feet hanging out of the window, and some guy just walks past and grabs his socks. <laughs> and and Paul sort of yells, come back with my socks, you jughead. Yeah, I was going to ask you about some of the... S club swear words they're not real life swear words but I I wrote down some because I was like seriously there was muffin pop (laughs) (laughs) pop comes up a lot I mean it's like a beano you know level of swearing here and uh yeah and that as well it's just it it must be difficult because they they clearly they're in their 20s (laughs) even their 30s some of them in this episode um they want to swear pop doesn't cut it does it you know. Yeah, Pop. I'm pretty confident that Pop is in like every episode. They say really? it all the time. It's just like a sort of substitute for, I don't know, shit or something yeah. like that. But they say Pop all the time. One that also comes up is, yeah, you already said Muffin. And also mm. Joe often calls people a hoof. Like, shut up, your hoof. That just makes me think of camel toe. I'm not sure how I feel about <laughs> hoof. What does hoof mean? If you Is, is that a thing? I don't know. It, 
it's just like you idiot but i've never heard it anywhere outside of this show Mm. i find like sometimes good writing you don't you don't notice things like that like that's a sign of bad writing it feels to me like when they say muffin and pop it's been written by like a really old person trying to imagine what <laughs> kids say do you know what I mean yeah definitely uh so yeah that that's that's like one of the things that actually broke the fourth wall for me <laughs> the fourth it took wall you out of the experience it, it took me to be right out yeah I like how John is trying to sleep in the boot of the car and the boot is just wide open. Like he is yeah. going to get murdered if he stays there all night. Well, that's the thing. LA is not quite as safe, especially parts of the place. I, there was certainly I, I went down to uh, driving around downtown LA once and it was scary stuff. You know, I felt like I was in training day. It was just really burnt out cars and uh, it was just not nice. So, um, yeah, I think he's really dicing with death there. Yeah, it looks like a dangerous area because in um, the first series, they were living at this hotel in Miami and that was supposed to be a kind of bad hotel. But this right. is on a whole other level. Like this looks dangerous and like you could sort of catch something by sleeping in the bed. It doesn't look good at all. It's I guess it kind of works in a way as a sort of uh, symbolizing how they're in this new place and it's a lot worse than before. So I think they've done something good there, actually, now that I think about it. That's a very profound way of looking at an SF7 episode. <laughs> <laughs> so the boys are outside. The girls are all kind of sharing a double bed talking about the things they miss about England. And Mm. Tina mentions little lambs dancing about. (laughs) She's got a very nice view of England. And Joe mentions the Mark II Jaguars with V8 fuel injection engines. Very specific. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't sure where they were trying to go with that. I feel like the insistence on her being a tomboy has some other relevance uh, sometimes. It's like, oh, I'm into cars. What does that say about me? It's just a bit, yeah, it felt a bit forced. Like, I get it. I get it. But yeah, it was very, very strange. And also I found it was really weird that like Rachel's crying as well. And they're all in this bed together. <laughs> There's something a, bit, something a bit melodramatic about it all, to be fair. Yeah, she's so moved by all the talk of cars. She is. She is. It's the, the Jaguars just got to her very core hasn't it and then the boys suddenly appear kind of knocking on a window which is worryingly in the shower and i love tina's reaction to this she sort of blocks the window doesn't she and is like they're trying to get in yeah it was some actually it was a moment of terrible acting it felt quite acorn (laughs) antiques at that point (laughs) yeah and she sort of like she goes oh no and then she steps aside for him to come in do you know what i mean like it's like one of those takes where Maybe they didn't have enough time to reshoot it or something. I don't know. They just went, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. But when you watch it back, it's a bit it's a bit odd, isn't it? But it does show you, what it does show you is how utterly shit that bathroom is. I wouldn't want to shower in there. Yeah, the window's just right in the middle of the shower. And yeah, it, it did make me laugh because I was like, why isn't she just letting them in? They're, they are her friends, but she's like, oh my God, they're trying to get in. Like they're intruders or something. Yeah. And the girls are all kind of like, it's four people per room, we're going to get in trouble. But the boys do manage to get in, set themselves up on the floor. And as we said earlier, Paul is sort of um, like his feet are stinking out the place and Bradley is snoring. But um, John mentions the fact that Paul's had his socks stolen and everyone finds that very funny. Wouldn't it be nice to like have that basic a sense of humour though in life? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I kind of long for that. 
Yeah, I think that maybe that's the target audience for this show. Like, yeah. Oh, Paul got his socks nicked. Hilarious. <laughs> Who is the target audience though? Because it's it's like I mean, I was watching it as I say with my daughter, and I feel like it's somewhere between the two of us in the age range. But I'm not quite sure where it's supposed to fall. Is it supposed to be teens or? Yeah. What did your daughter think of it? Because did did you say she's like uh, five or six? What did she so, think? Yeah. So she's nearly six, and she's pretty smart, and she likes. She likes a lot of funny stuff and she certainly watches teen dramas and teen comedies and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. She loved the song. She'd never heard Reach, which is amazing. Oh, that wow. She discovered it for the first time today. She loved it. and has been singing it ever since. So it's obviously a real earworm. She was laughing about the snoring and those sort of moments, but some of it just kind of got lost on her. Certainly the bits about the quirky sense of humor, but she did. Yeah. She liked when they're sort of the, the motel owners chasing them and, Mm-hmm. Um, and when Bradley's getting the biscuits and she said, oh, he's taking advantage of her mummy. I thought, yeah, you're pretty smart, actually. <laughs> she's got a good sense of morality. She's been doing that for the last probably six years of her life. So, yeah, she knows how to play people. <laughs> That's good that you got a different perspective on the show. Watch, maybe I should ask all my guests to watch yeah. it with a child and see what they think. Yeah, well, watch it with, like, I wonder our teenagers, like a, a, your average 12 13 year old who's into tiktok and probably doesn't converse much with humans like get them to watch it and (laughs) it's this lovely nostalgia to it though i have to say like i think they mentioned the internet once or twice but it's very much so that their lives are in the now and and there was something Mm -hmm. quite lovely about that actually yeah definitely so the next morning as you just mentioned we see the manager kind of chasing them out of the room I'm not sure how he found them out. Maybe they were being noisy or something, but he's kind of chasing them out of the hotel going, four people per room, four people per room. Um, So they have to leave. And John suggests that they sell their car to get hold of some quick cash. And Jo is very upset about this, isn't she? She is. And she's got a bit of an issue with the license plate. Um, Actually, my daughter found that bit funny. She was like, why is is she taking the license plate off the car, mummy? Because um, obviously Joe cannot part with the car because it's got the S Club 7 license plate and that's what's killing her. That's the Yeah, she's kind connection. of hugging the car, isn't she? And sort yeah. of like they have to kind of prize her off it and they buy it. So they sell it. They sell the Chevy. They buy a cheaper car to get around in. I showed this to my boyfriend the other day and he tells me that this car is a Ford Galaxy third generation. Oh, if that means fantastic. anything to anyone listening. But yeah, I showed him this last night and he was like, what, they're selling the Chevy? Like, he's got <laughs> invested in this show over the last few weeks. <laughs> Not the Chevy. It's a perfect car. It was the perfect car for them. I understand the loss. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, the Chevy's gone. They bought it in episode three of series one. And now in episode three of series two, they've binned it and got this sort of rubbish car instead. And yeah, they go to Venice Beach and mm. there's a, a really strange conversation between Hannah and Rachel. Where, about the cats. Like you said before, yeah, like you said before, very kind of Phoebe from Friends. Hannah's really wild in this episode. And yeah, Rachel says she misses her cats, which I'm pretty sure she's never mentioned before. I don't think I knew that Rachel had cats. But she says, Do you think my cats miss me? And Hannah mm. immediately goes, No. <laughs> And they're called Bonnie and Marzipan, which I think are really shit names for cats, actually. And I I would write and and complain about that. And that's what Hannah thinks as well. Mm. She does. And she's like, but does it know it's 
what is it? She's like, does it know it's called marzipan? So this like, it's such <laughs> yeah. a weird like fever dream this moment. <laughs> yeah, and she says, um, "Oh, do the other cats laugh at him for having a stupid name? It's so harsh." Yeah, but you imagine having dialogue like that and having to make it work. That's that's hard. <laughs> that's hard acting. Think we'll ever make it over it then? I don't know. I, I guess we've just got to stick with it. I miss my cats. I wonder if they miss me. No, cats don't miss people. They only miss food. What are your cats called again? Bonnie and Marzipan. Marzipan? What's it called Marzipan for? Because I like Marzipan. Fair enough, but didn't all the other cats make fun of him and go, ha ha, you're called Marzipan, that's a stupid name. No. Oh. Anyway, I mean, they don't know what Marzipan is, they're cats. Don't they realise it's a stupid name? No. Fair enough, then. Oh, I did say, do you know what? We've missed a really great joke, actually. There was a great joke when Rachel said, oh, I failed my GCSE in bank robbing. Oh, which yeah. I thought was, yeah, I thought I was like, oh, that's some quite good banter, actually, Rach. Uh, you know, I was impressed with that. I, I actually wrote that down because I thought that was a funny line in the show. One, one funny line, so... Yeah, that's a better version of the same joke that was a few episodes ago. I've just realised that a few episodes oh. ago, somebody said, sorry, I failed my GCSE in beating up. <gasps> wow. Which yeah, that it's, doesn't yeah. really make sense grammatically, but I failed my GCSE in bank robbery does work. So they've, they've workshopped that joke over the they course have. of a few episodes. They've, they've worked on it, bless the little consogs. And then it'll be, <laughs> I didn't get an A-level in, I don't know, shoplifting at Topshop will be the next version, <laughs> should they come back with a reunion, which they always keep threatening to do, right? S-Club's always mm-hmm. saying they're going to re- reunite. I did see Paul on, um, with he was on some TV show and he had couldn't afford the shirt that he was wearing or something. It was really bleak. I don't know if you saw uh, that. I've seen him on First Dates. Um, yes, and, I saw yeah, that as well, yeah. And it was weird because the person he was on the date with seemed to have not really heard of S-Club 7, but she was yeah. British and he she was about his age, so I'm not sure what planet she'd been living on. It was just a strange but, yeah. reaction, I thought. I think that's like when they go on celebs go dating and they pretend they're like, oh, I've got no idea who you are, Michael Jackson and Madonna. They just <laughs> do that because they're like trying to make out that they're really humble and they like them for them. But he didn't actually hit it off with that person in the end. I think she 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 blew him out, didn't she? The girl that he picked. Yeah, sure. I think so. So um, while Hannah and Rachel are having this strange conversation about cats there's a sort of uh living statue guy next to them um and he sort of jumps out at one point because they think he's an actual statue he jumps out and sort of surprises them and they get talking to him they tell him that they're in a band and he asks where do you play and they're like oh well nowhere yet we're not having much luck and again it's like you've been in LA one night (laughs) calm down chill you're not having much luck really I just want to correct you there, Sophie, though. Sure. Yeah, they're actually standing still artists. They're not statues. <laughs> they're called standing still artists. So yeah. um, the the, the yeah. agent loves that, doesn't he? He's like, he I does. only represent people who stand still. <laughs> I actually found that whole that whole segment was hilarious. And he was great with his with his toupee and everything. Mr. Modersky, is it Mr. Modersky or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I love that whole bit. And then 
yeah, they're all sort of the others are walking around Venice Beach, and Paul is kind of like, oh, we could never afford to live here. It's the trendiest part of town, uh, and Bradley thinks they should give up and go home. Which again, patience, guys. <laughs> he he says, um, oh, you know, they say America is the land of opportunity, but I don't see it. <laughs> Calm down. Is that when he gets hit? Though. Yes. Is that when he gets hit? Okay. So he does get a bit of comeuppance for saying that. He does. I, I see now why they did that, as in there's no opportunity, I can't see any. So he gets hit with some. That's quite clever, in fact. Yeah, we get introduced to Joni, who becomes the band's landlady later in the episode. And do you want to reveal who she is played by? Well, yeah, she's played by the Exorcist's Linda Blair, which freaks me out because I tell you what, Jodie, Joni, Jodie, she's Joni. quite an unhinged, she's quite an unhinged character, right? She's just this totally desperate woman. She's going around on her roller skates. She lives in this great big house with a spare apartment upstairs, which I think is suspicious. Anyone that has a spare apartment <laughs> just hanging around. And she's like, yeah, she's just very off key, but she looks great. Like she's in great shape. My God, like she's roller skating around. She looks fit. Okay, and she didn't look so fit in The Exorcist, certainly not when her head was swiveling around, <laughs> so props to her. Yeah, I went on her Wikipedia before, and she was young when she was in The Exorcist, she was a teenager, oh. and then it kind, of, it kind of seemed like that was, you know, the peak, and then since then, for some mm. reason, she has been in quite a lot of stuff, but sort of low budget, you know, not really that sort of big, and I'm not sure why, but then, yeah, she crops up in this in the year 2000 and she's really good she's a proper you know she's selling it Mm. no I thought she was great I think it's really lovely as well when you have someone come in that's been in such a different genre she's known for a completely different genre of film tv whatever and she comes in and she's able to like dial it down and fit in with this group of young teenagers and actually be really believable and I think um that's quite hard to do there's no there's no ego there or anything like that. And she's she's really good. But she this character, though, is quite odd. And I don't know if that was like they deliberately sought out an actress who's known for being a bit kooky or what. But like <laughs> there's always that sense that she could batter Bradley to death with one of those biscuits. She's let him have 10 <laughs> and she comes back with more. Because she bumps into Bradley, completely knocks him over. Mm. And because she's American, she's immediately like, please don't sue me. And they're all kind of like, oh, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we could get some cash that way. This is the bit actually where Joe says, you want to watch where you're going, you stupid hoof. Oh, that's the hoof bit. Right. (laughs) Joe says it a lot. Hoof and muffin come up quite often. Maybe you're right. (laughs) Oh, Bradley, are you okay? to the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards has that really great guitar solo in the middle of Honky Tonk Woman and I just had to close my eyes. You should have your rollerblading licence taken away from you. Where does it hurt, Brad? Everywhere. Is anything broken, Bradley? I think so. OK, don't, don't sue me. Sue you? That's not a bad idea. Oh, no, 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 it, it, it'll ruin me. Uh, um, uh, well, I have an idea. Well, why don't we take him over to my apartment? I, I, I just live down there. Come on, Joe, help me get him up. 
and she lives nearby so she says that they can take bradley over to her apartment until he feels better uh, so they take him over there. They don't really ask any questions. They're like, yeah, no. she seems fine. And Bradley's really milking it, isn't he? He's kind of lying on the sofa. She's bringing him cups of tea. Yeah. I mean, the biscuit selection that she offered was pretty impressive. I thought if it was my house, she'd be lucky if she got like, you know, half eaten Oreo sort of thing. She seems very keen for him to stay. And I'm not sure if he's actually delirious or if he's just putting it on. But he turns to Joe and says, is that you, Joe, or is that a man in drag? (laughs) Very strange. A little bit too close to the bone, isn't it? And Paul and Joe just sort of leave, don't they? They just leave Bradley there, you know, potentially to be murdered by this strange woman. Well, that's it. I mean, does no one get a little bit suspicious? I think she's just like this lonely lady who goes around... Uh, in a 80s roller skating gear and knocks down men and brings them back and gives them biscuits and then I don't know pumps them up maybe it's like misery or something there's no you know I think there's a subtext there I think her story is very important and people have you know completely dismissed it and trusted her mistrusted her yeah the series could have taken a dark turn if they Bradley just went missing now what oh what do you mean Bradley left yeah and then what would they do? And he's actually upstairs in the empty apartment. Butchered. Something like, you know, that film. <laughs> is it Saw? You know, that horror film. Uh, where yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting carried away. <laughs> continue. Please continue. <laughs> I want to see that version. <laughs> Saw, colon, S Club. I mean, how are the dance routines going to work when there's only six <laughs> of them? It's just not going to be symmetrical. Oh, when it would be more symmetrical. Okay. Yeah, she's kind of telling telling Bradley her life story, isn't she? Like going through all mm. these failed relationships that she's had and showing him photos of all these men. But I thought there was going to be a punchline. You know, she keeps going, and that one, oh, and it didn't work out, and that one, and that didn't work out. And then she holds his picture to her chest, she goes, and this one... And then she goes, and that one didn't work out. I thought she was going to show the picture to Bradley and it would be his dad or some sort of, do you know what I mean? I thought it was going to be some significance to this whole long, they used about a minute of plot there to do that. You know, it's, it's sort of meaningless thing. But does that come yeah. up again? Like, does she then, does she track down her lost love or something in a future episode? Because I feel like they were setting I something think, up. It, I think it's just a sort of running thing that she's kind of like this, I don't know, Oh, she's like a middle-aged spinster. She can't find a man. Like, it's a bit ageist, really. Like, there's one episode in this series where, for some reason, Paul goes on a date with her because she wants to impress one of her friends. And they're all talking about her as if she's some sort of horrific old hag. And she's clearly not. As we said before, she's pretty fit. Yeah. And yeah, the band ba- are basically like as if she's like their headmistress or something. Like they're disgusted by her because she's so old. She's sort of force feeding Bradley. He's living it up on the sofa. Mm. And she basically says he can stay for as long as he wants. And then he puts on this little sort of baby voice and goes, But my friends don't have anywhere to stay. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit like that. I think he's taking the piss a little bit that, by that point. How would you feel if like. Okay, fair enough, she's knocked him down in the street. But, like, if you knock someone down and you're trying to help them and they're like, I've got six friends, do you mind if they come and stay for a little bit? No end date or anything. I'd be a bit offended. Bradley is at Joni's house uh, recovering uh, and the others all sort of meet up. 
John and Tina have apparently been to look at some apartments, which we haven't seen. Um, and I quite like this line. Tina says, oh, most of them were already occupied by mice. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was quite cute, actually. I mean, you know, beggars can't be choosers, can they? Yeah, exactly. Hannah and Rachel run up and are like, good news, we've met this guy and he wants to introduce us to this, his agent. And they're talking about the uh, the standing still artist that they met before. Uh, someone asks where Bradley is and Joe says he was run over by someone on roller skates and everyone is like, way, <laughs> like there's no sympathy <laughs> whatsoever. They all think it's hilarious. He could be dead for all they know. But I like as well, this is all like pre-hashtag me too times. So it's like when they've met someone that says he's going to help them out with their career, no one questions that. No one thinks it's going to be creepy. <laughs> um, even though he's a standing still agent, you know, which which doesn't even exist in the real world. Yeah, yeah, because they come over and they're like, oh, we've been talking to this man and he told us he can introduce us to his agent. If someone said that to you now, you'd be like, what man? Yeah, but they've, they've only been in LA a day, as you said. They want, they want to make it. They're going to make it now by the end of the episode. So they're, they're like, they'll take any offer, really. Yeah, so they go and meet this agent. And in his office, they seem to be kind of showing him a dance routine, but not actually singing. Because they're sort of dancing around. They kind of go, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit odd, isn't it? Why didn't they just bother to sing? I did, that was really, I didn't <laughs> understand that. Um, it was just like, we haven't got any music, so we can't actually sing unless we're we're miming, I'm afraid. Sorry, we can't do that today. <laughs> and this is the bit where he says, oh, I don't usually represent acts that move around. Which I thought was genius. Yeah, you know where you are with an act that stands still. That's quite good. Yeah, that felt like that was written by an old person as well. A lot of the jokes, they're kind of gags, <laughs> aren't they? But I think M- Mr. Modersky, I feel like I want him to come back in other episodes. I hope he does because he's it clearly pulls focus and steals the show, really. He's, he's brilliant. Yeah, because they do they do join him, don't they? He does become their agent. So oh, he does. I can't remember if he's in okay. other episodes. Well, I assume so, because he gets them the, this gig, doesn't he? Yes. Because they go to leave, and he's like, wait a minute, Joe the Static Cowboy says that you're good. How good are you? <laughs> and they all go into this big thing about how they're the best. Oh, Tina yeah. Tina says, we're the creme de la creme de la creme with extra creme. And the way she said it, it's a bit like ASMR for some reason. It's like yeah. it's that sort of whispery <laughs> thing. I quite yeah. enjoyed that. And ha- Hannah goes, with a numero uno, except the seven of us. Yeah, that, that didn't land as well, did it, that one? <laughs> yeah, she's on another planet. And he's like, fine, I'll give you a gig. And they jump around all excited. We go back to Bradley with Joni. Um, this is the bit where she's showing him all these photos of her victims, mm. clearly. Uh, and the yeah. band finally come round and, uh, and they break the news that they've got a gig. He's very pleased. He tells them the good news that they can all stay in Joni's empty apartment upstairs. No strings attached. And they're Huge all like, apartment yeah, that, that doesn't fits seem suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> but you feel like it's got strings. I was watching, I was like, this has got strings. You know, there's only six bedrooms and Bradley's going to have to bunk up with Joni or something. It's just like all a bit <laughs> too creepy. But I like that the fact that their gig is in what looks like to be um, a tapas restaurant, isn't it? It's like, (laughs) it's a really small, rubbish little restaurant, seemingly with no audience as well. I didn't see any audience, did you? I mean, maybe I missed that, but... They're sort of, yeah, there's people dancing around, but um, yeah, they say that it's a cafe, don't they? But it doesn't really, 
it looks like more like a, a sort of club. You know, they've got a stage set up, mm. flashing lights and that. Um, they invite Joni along. And yeah, she t- she also tells them that they can stay in the apartment rent free until Bradley feels better, which because again she's seems very them suspicious. All. Yeah, totally. Yeah. She's got plans. She's got butchering plans. But um, I have to say, her dance moves and the lady who's dancing next to her, there's three of them, I think, in fact. There's three women who literally couldn't couldn't catch a beat if it was whacking them over the head between <laughs> the three of them. I've never seen such terrible, terrible dancing. <laughs> so I don't know if they were directed to do that. They probably filmed it at a completely separate time and they don't even know yes. what song they're supposed to be dancing to. Like when they film, what is it, the club scenes in Made in Chelsea, mm. just in the, day, in the daytime, yeah. <laughs> everyone's just vaguely moving around like, oh, we'll put some music in afterwards. Yeah, it's really, it's really bad. But it's kind of like, I do feel for her character as well because she's just literally such a saddo. She's been dumped by all these blokes that just didn't want her. And then she's just basically trying to be the best friends with this group of people who clearly don't really like her very much as you said like they kind of <laughs> you know I think they they sit down at the, I don't know if maybe that's going into the next episode now but um yeah they're just like kind of a bit dismissive of her and she's doing a massive favor for them so I don't mind if they get butchered I think that's I think that's good karma really you know yeah you... and she's kind of dancing around going oh that's the S Club 7 they live in my apartment oh, yeah, but... Like she's got a sort of cool connection to the band on stage. So the song they perform is Natural. Rachel's on lead vocals and there's quite an elaborate dance routine going on. And there's a wind machine, it seems, as well, isn't there? <laughs> In the tapas restaurant. It reminded me, I've been doing <laughs> We Fit at the moment and there's like We Fit dance routines, which are really terrible. They're really basic They're for people like me that can't dance. And I felt like their routine for natural was one of those routines designed for people who can't dance <laughs> very well. Um, but I, I was surprised by how much Rachel sings that song because obviously that was probably one of the few S Club songs that she took the lead vocal from Joe. It was always mm-hmm. Joe, wasn't it? Yeah. Sometimes Hannah maybe, but yeah. So it's quite it's quite impressive, and she has got a very distinctive voice, I would say as well. Like you can tell. It's always with, with bands that big, it's always really difficult to pick out the individual voices, but you can always tell Rachel's voice. Tina, I can't, I couldn't mm-hmm. be able to distinguish between Hannah, but yeah, Rachel's voice is very, um, so yeah, it's breathy and sexy. And, and that song is, I think it's one of the best S Club 7 songs um, that they actually had out. I love that song when it came out. Yeah, I think that's maybe why they chose Rachel to do the lead in this song because I watched the music video and it's quite mm-hmm. like a kind of sexy video. Like they're on a sort of deserted beach and they're like standing under a waterfall, you know, in bikinis. At oh. one point, Rachel is kind of writhing around in the sand. For some reason, right. the boys are doing kind of manly things. And at one point, Paul and John are chopping some wood. And then they go into the ocean oh and gosh. like spear spear some fish. It's quite strange. Well, but, that um, is what men do. They chop wood and spear yeah. fish. And the girls are just watching. They're writhing. They're writhing. It's yeah, it's definitely an attempt to do a more sort of sexy video compared to what they've done before. So maybe that is why Rachel got the lead because she's, you know, the sexy one. And you can see as well in the uh the performance in the episode. 
they stuck Joe right at the back because I think out mm. of all of them, she does seem to be the least good at dancing as far as I've seen. Yeah. I think um, it's funny because what you were saying about like the music side of things, I imagine at that point in their career, like as them, as people, um, they probably were just a bit tired of doing really like those reach for the stars, kind of upbeat young pop songs. And maybe natural was like, that's kind of where their music would would naturally go to something that's a bit more sophisticated and I think with with a lot of bands of that time like um Steps as well there's a point at which you have to kind of evolve and and the fans either go with you or they don't but I always think that that's quite a difficult point for a for a teen band because you can only do you can only sing Reach for the Stars so many times and it not get on Mm -hmm. your tits even when you're in the band (laughs) it's just so it's so youthful and hopeful and everything and and yeah, they kind of need to go in a different direction. Uh, I always worry yeah. about what happens to pop bands anyway. Just I'm very, very maternal. I can't bear the thought of, you know, where are the cheeky girls? What are they doing? What are they up to? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like a home for them somewhere, I think. Or they boil yeah. them down for glue. I'm not sure. That would be a good podcast series. Like what are pop stars doing now? Yeah, except it would be really boring. I imagine it'd be like... And maybe depressing. Yeah, and quite depressing. Because speaking of Big Brother, Channel 4 Mm. have been like re-airing some classic episodes recently. I don't know if you've seen any of these. Oh, I watched um, that very avidly, yeah. Yeah, and... um, maggot from goldie looking chain is now like a a financial advisor or something someone tweeted a picture of him just like in a suit and if i bumped into him on the street i wouldn't know it was the same man well you have to go somewhere don't you i mean he's he's in a fortunate position because he was never particularly recognizable i would say in that band i think it's always Mm -hmm. easier for guys as well to kind of you know blend blend into civilization (laughs) again but i think for women especially because uh, for, for women pop artists, it's, it, the majority of their appeal is is often their appearance. So mm. people know exactly what they look like. It's really difficult to then to just kind of go back into the world. But people forget as well, like it's a very short career, even for S Club. They, they rode that way longer than anyone would have ever imagined, I'm sure. And Steps were the same, you know, they did five, six, seven, eight, and everyone thought they were just a kind of one trick pony. Um, but then, you know, you if you get two years out of a pop career great if you get five that's amazing I think we always have Mm -hmm. to remember that those are the those are the time constraints it's worse than being a you know premiership footballer really in terms of your lifespan Mm -hmm. then they have to go and do something afterwards because you know people have kids and mortgages yeah I mean even in S Club some have gone on to greater things and others not so much what's John up to didn't he do musicals or something yeah I'm not sure currently but yeah he's done a few Mm. musicals because he uh came from that sort of background really he was uh, a Sylvia Young oh right I didn't know that well that makes sense yeah yeah and so the episode ends with um well during the song we get a few shots of them moving into the apartment don't they and yeah for some reason it looks like six of them have beds and bradley appears to be on the sofa in the living room Mm. um oh actually now that i say that maybe it's because he snores like maybe that's the reason it's just a gateway (laughs) (laughs) she's just setting him up easy access yeah it's easy access she's picked him up she's plucked him off it's going to be like, was it Hostel? There's like some horror film where all these people are plucked off one by one and murdered. That's basically episode four. So when you've got... 
Um, yeah. yeah. This show has more sort of horror links than you'd expect. Because a few it episodes totally ago, does. there was a um, a Blair Witch Project episode where ah. they got lost in the woods. And now, yeah, The Exorcist, all these different horror influences, clearly. Well, if you've got to go somewhere, it's kids TV. But I did keep <laughs> expecting Linda Blair's head to start spinning and vomit. Out, you know, when, when she's watching the S Club 7 performance. Um, <laughs> that would be a good, a good reference for the kids watching. Yeah, they'd love that for sure. And um, the episode ends with everyone saying good night in their new apartment. And Bradley asks if anyone can get him a glass of water. I guess because he's got used to people just bringing him things now, and they're all like, "No," and that's it. That's the end. Yeah, I thought that was it was quite funny. But my daughter went when it finished. She went, "Mum, why is why is he asking for a glass of water?" <laughs> and I did, she didn't get the she didn't get the humour. So um, mm. I think really they need to tailor it to a six year old's palate. That's that's where they're going wrong with S Club. <laughs> um, yeah, they need to do some test screening. I think they should have done that. Yeah, with some six year olds. But I'm guessing it was, but well, that was like probably millions of views for those episodes when they came out. Were they? I'm not sure. But... Yeah, probably. Yeah, it was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty successful. See, was it on CBBC? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah pretty successful at the time so um any last thoughts on the episode at all or any of your links to it that came back to you as you were watching (sighs) yeah actually it's I remembered it so differently to how it was Paul is a lot better spoken than I remembered and Hannah as well like that was weird it was actually a lot more charming as well than I thought was going to be I think at the Mm -hmm. time I didn't particularly like S Club 7 when they first came out because it just seemed like a bunch of stage school kids. But actually, it's quite charming. And and I think the whole concept of getting a band together and making a TV show around it is so incredibly hard to pull off. Like, you know, you look at the monkeys and and that was huge in its day. And I think they, they had certainly achieved that. And S Club 7 lives on. Oh my God, if you think of every X Factor, there's always someone that sings reach or you know it's just so it's so part of our culture now so it was quite nice thank you for letting me go down memory lane and remember what life was like in in the year 2000 (laughs) and you've gone full circle you've introduced your five-year-old daughter to it now as well exactly exactly this is circle of life and the wheel (laughs) of fortune (laughs) so before we finish where can people find you on twitter and is there anything in particular that you'd like to plug oh I have my own website, thetimeialmost.com, which is all about some of the things we chatted about today, which is my um, hapless career as an almost famous pop star. And I toured with Darius and Busted. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, and Appleton, uh, who were part of All Saints when they they split, I guess. Um, And I'm on Twitter, at Alexis Drum and Instagram as well. I've just joined TikTok. I have no idea what I'm doing on there, so... (laughs) If you follow me, I'm not responsible for what comes out on there. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.